I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Exodus chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse uh, 25. And then we're going to turn over to Exodus chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 10 of that portion. But first of all, Exodus chapter 8. And beginning our reading at verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away, entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord, that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to the sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. And then turning over to... Exodus chapter 10, and reading from verse 10. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will go, uh, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so, go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand, over the land of Egypt, for the locusts that they, uh, that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail hath left. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over the land of Egypt and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before they, them there was no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and that they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me the, this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the waiting locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coast of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land, even, e the, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness on all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must uh, give us all also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we make sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not what uh, we must serve the Lord until we come hither. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart that he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto them, Get thee from me. Take heed to thyself. See my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face. Thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's unite at the throne of grace afresh. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for the uh, blessing that we have in Christ. We thank thee that there is none, none mightier, not the Pharaoh of Egypt or the uh, God of this world. We thank thee that there is none mightier than our God. And we thank thee that he is the mighty deliverer. And we pray that men and women might trust in the one who is the mighty deliverer. Bless thy word to our hearts just now and shut us in with thyself. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. When the Lord sent Moses to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, we find that it was a very direct message, let my people go. And God uh, told Moses that he would harden Pharaoh's heart by giving this message that he would not obey. Moses, or Pharaoh rather, wasn't going to let the children of Israel go, just uh, let them go and set them free. And that was the end of it. But we find that God began to send the plagues and began to visit Pharaoh and began to soften his heart to some degree and measure. He knew that he was up against the might and power of heaven. He knew that when God sent all of these plagues, which each one was designed to show up the uh, absolute weakness of some of the Egyptian gods, and he was demonstrating that he was the mighty God. And we find that uh, the, or Pharaoh really then began to desire to compromise with Moses. He wasn't going to let the children of Israel go, but he wanted to compromise with the children of Israel. And Pharaoh, in many ways, is a great picture of the devil. He is a great picture of the worldly ruler. And we think of the one who is the prince of the power of the air in this day in which we live. And we know that when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to men and women being under conviction of sin, the word of God begins to get through and the power of the word of God begins to uh, speak to men and women, it is then that the devil 
begins to make his compromises. And the compromises that were made by Pharaoh here are very like the kind of compromises that the devil would want to make with men and women. Now, there are four compromises that were suggested by Pharaoh in the portions of Scripture that we have read. The first one there is in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28. And it says, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. So Pharaoh wanted them to stay close. He didn't want them to go out of the land. He wanted them to be uh, in his orbit, in his control. He says, you, you, you can sacrifice, but sacrifice in the land. And then we have, oh, that's the second compromise, actually. If you look at verse 25, you have the first one. It's don't leave the land. He says there in verse 25, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. So it's in the land. The second one is you're going out of the land, but don't go very far away. And then the third one is in Exodus chapter 10 and verses 10 to 11. And in verse 8 of the chapter, Pharaoh had said to the children of Israel that they could go. But when Moses asked the question, who was able to go? He said, go serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? And when Moses said that, he said, you can go, the men can go but not the women and the children, and not your animals. Not so, he said, Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that he did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So the compromise this time is that you can go out of the land, and you can go to the place of sacrifice, but leave your wives and your children and your flocks and your herds and everything that you have, leave all your possessions behind. And then the fourth compromise is in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 24. It says, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be said, let your little ones also go with you. So this time they can go, they can go, the women and the children can go, but this time still leave the flocks behind. And of course the desire of Pharaoh was to make sure that these people were coming back again. These were slaves. And he wanted to make sure that there was some reason for them to come back again. But as I say, the compromises here are very suggestive of the kind of compromises that the devil would suggest to those that are under the sound of the word of God. And God reaches out to us. Uh, we think of the command that he gives, God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ said, Paul said, be reconciled to God. And that's the message. And God or the devil doesn't want you to be reconciled with God. So there are many compromises. And maybe as I'm speaking tonight, there are those maybe tuning in on the internet or maybe even somebody here tonight and you have been struggling with your own soul. You've been struggling with the gospel and these compromises are coming. You just don't go that far. Maybe you can do something. You can renovate yourself a little bit, but don't just go too far. 
That's the compromise. Well, we want to look at these compromises of the devil, the compromises of Pharaoh that were taken tonight as being the compromises that the devil suggests. And I want you to look at them just one by one, very simply tonight. And first of all, then, we're going to look at the first one in Exodus 8 and verse 25. We're going to call this the compromise of place. Look at what it says in Exodus 8 and verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. Now you'll notice that the Pharaoh, he's willing for them to worship. He's willing for them to sacrifice. But don't go out of the country. Don't go out of the orbit of my control. Don't uh, go out of the place where you're under my sway, under my authority. Uh, You're in bondage, and we don't want you to get very far away. So here he is. He's suggesting the compromise as to the place that they should worship. Now, I want you to think about this place that Pharaoh was suggesting. Now, you'll notice that it was a place of worship. The devil doesn't mind if we worship. The devil doesn't mind even if we make sacrifices. But the Lord had said, Go ye sacrifice to your God. And he had told them to go and make this sacrifice. But they, uh, they, there was no problem here with the sacrifices themselves. But, it, but the uh, Pharaoh didn't want them to do it in the place that God had dictated. The place where God wanted them to go. And doesn't that teach us, men and women, the devil's not uh, concerned about religion. The devil is not that concerned about worship. He's not concerned about people going to church. He's not concerned about people going to a place even where the Bible is read or where the Bible is open. As long as the message of the gospel is not being applied, as long as the message of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Savior is being uplifted, and where the Lord is being presented as the primary means of salvation, oh, you can have all the religion that you want, and there are many people out there, and they're filled with religion, but they are not redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. And it is very striking to see in the Bible how far you can go in religion and still perish. And you know, sometimes we wonder about that. You think about the very dedicated Roman Catholic, or you think of the very dedicated religious Protestant, the churchianity of some who are there and they're going to pay. We were talking there just by the elders about a man who uh, pays to his church and really keeps... His church, uh, he, he pays for the upkeep of his church. and But as far as we know, the man is not saved. He's not saved. And you think about what the Lord Jesus said to his disciples when he spoke about the day of judgment in Matthew chapter 7. And in verses 21 and 22, he said this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, 
and in thy name done many wonderful works. And you notice carefully, they preached. These people were able to have enough knowledge of the Bible that they were able to preach. They prophesied in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, they had gone beyond that. They had cast out devils. And you can see that you don't need to be saved to cast out devils. You don't, you don't need to be saved. Obviously, you don't need to be saved. Because there are those that in that day of judgment will stand before God and will be able to say that they cast out devils. We have, we, we have prophesied in thy name. And in thy name cast out devils. And the Lord will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. You can see that it is possible to do wonderful works in the name of the Lord. It is possible Obviously, to do signs and wonders and not be saved. Because he says here, we have done many wonderful works in thy name. And the Lord will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Ye that work iniquity. Now that's a startling thing. But these are people who are full of religion. And maybe even sometimes more dedicated to religion than the uh, uh, child of God is dedicated And yet, the thing is that the heart of the matter is not in them. The heart is not right. And the Lord will say, ye that profess iniquity. Not only was this a place of worship, but it's a place of want. Because the thing that it wanted was the stamp and seal of God. It wasn't the place that God had said. If you look at verse uh, 27 here, it says... Um, We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. So the place where God had said was three days journey into the wilderness. But the uh, Pharaoh was saying, no, just don't go so far. Don't go so far. You don't need to go so far. Just do it here. And that wasn't the place that God had appointed. And there is a place that God has appointed for salvation it's at the cross. It's at Calvary. It's there that our Savior shed his own precious blood there on that center cross. And he bled and died and paid the price of our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He died on the behalf of sinners. And it is to Calvary's cross is where we begin when we come as a sinner to Jesus. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin it left its crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And because of the cross of Calvary, men and women can be forgiven. And there's an absolute necessity of getting to the cross. Remember what the Lord said in Luke chapter 24 and verses 25 to 27 when he was speaking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and you look at Luke chapter 24 and you look at verses 25 to 27 it says there in that portion of scripture the Lord said to the most fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and it's the words ought not that I want you to see because those words Ought not could be translated, is it not necessary that Christ should have suffered? And it was necessary. It was absolute. There was a necessity. We think of what it says in Matthew 16. 
Simon Peter's great confession of faith. And it says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chiefs, priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. He showed it was necessary. And we think of how it is an absolute necessity that we come to the place that the Lord has set forth. We come to the cross. Have you been to the cross? Have you been to that place called Calvary? Have you been there for the cleansing of your sins? Oh, dear friend, I invite you to come to that place tonight. But there's the first compromise. It's the compromise of place. But then we come to the second compromise, and that's the compromise of proximity. We look at uh, Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. So now, uh, Pharaoh, another plague has taken place, another disaster upon the land, another demonstration of the might and power of God. And Pharaoh's softened a little bit. And he says, no, well, okay, you can go out of the land, but don't go very far away. Just don't go very far away. And here is the craft of the arch-tyrant Pharaoh. The poor bondage Israelites must needs go out of Egypt. But he bargains with them. Don't go very far away. And that's a compromise that the devil makes with those that are under conviction of sin. Oh, Oh yes, okay, you can have a little bit of religion in your life. Maybe you can renovate your life a little. And you can try that. And the devil will tell you that it is possible to do that. And maybe to a small extent you can give up certain things uh, for a little bit of time. Maybe you can uh, renovate your life and get it. Maybe the devil says, oh well, you can go to church. Go to church an odd time. And uh, go maybe on a Sunday evening to the church or go along even to a place where the gospel is preached. But don't go very far away. Don't, don't be getting all fanatical. Don't be getting all religious. Uh, just don't go very far away. We read in Second Timothy 3 and 12, it says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And a sold-out Christian is going to suffer persecution. And the devil will tell you that. And he says, oh, well, don't be fanatical about that, these things. But the Lord says in Job chapter, or Proverbs 23 and 26, he says, my son, give me thine heart. Give me thy heart. And he wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want uh, 90% of you. He wants all of you. Dear friend, there's got to be a surrender. You've got to come wholly to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many people who have been spoken to in the gospel and have thought they could make bargains with God. They could uh, do a little bit of compromise uh, along the way. And I remember speaking to people. Maybe they wanted to uh, have fellowship with their friends in the pub or in the club. And they wanted to have that alongside their salvation. And they wanted to make a bargain with God. There are no bargains with God. It's all or nothing. You can't have your sin 
and turn away from your sin. The Bible uh, stipulates that there's got to be repentance, and that means a turning away of sin. The Lord says, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That's a complete turnaround. Not one foot left behind. Not one animal is going to be left behind. There's going to be no half measures as far as the gospel of our Savior is concerned. And if you're saved, even the devil will want you to make compromises with the world. Don't be fanatical about your religion. When you go to the workplace, when you're amongst dear colleagues, well, you can fit in with them a little bit. And uh, we can fit in with them a little bit uh, to some degree and measure, as long as we don't compromise our faith. As long as we don't uh, start getting in with their filthy banter or begin going to the places that are in the world or beginning to spend time with them. But you know, there are many compromised Christians today. I read a survey that was taken amongst evangelical Christians and said almost half or 44% said that Jesus was a great teacher, nothing more. The Bible says the word was God. It said 29%, almost a third, said that God learns and adapts to circumstances. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are many people who want to compromise with God, but there are no compromises with God. And I want you to see that the compromise failed once again. Moses said, but let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. He told Pharaoh, you're acting deceitfully. And that's what the devil is doing with you. He's acting deceitfully. If he's telling you you can have a halfway house, if he's telling you you can have one foot in the world and one foot in uh, the kingdom of God, dear friend, he's acting deceitfully. It's a lie. It's a lie. You've got to come holy to the Lord Jesus Christ. But then let's come to the third Compromise, And we're going to call this the compromise of personal relationship. Now Pharaoh's failed in his second compromise. And again, there's another plague. Again, God demonstrates his power. And once again, Pharaoh is softened a little. And he's going to move in his compromises. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 10 and verses 8 to 11. And Moses and Aaron went, were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, and with our sons and with our daughters and with our flocks and our herds. Will we go? For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Thus Pharaoh, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go and your little ones Look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that, that he did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So Moses was saying, the Lord wants our young and our old. He wants everyone to go. He's, he says, we're going to bring the families. We're going to bring our flocks and our herds. We are going to go as families. We're not going to leave our little ones behind. But Pharaoh says, no, he says, you that are men can go, but leave your families behind. And here was the compromise. It's to do with personal 
relationship. And you can well imagine that the men weren't going to go uh, very far or they were going to come back again very shortly if their families were there. And again, you can see the compromise that the devil wants to make. And I want you to think about how often it is that when it comes to the things of God, the devil will use our families to hinder us, our relationships, our personal relationships with others to hinder us uh, in the gospel. I remember a young woman in our church in Enniskillen. She came to a gospel mission and professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And her father heard of it, and immediately he went into a rage and forbade her ever to go to the church again. And even in my own family, when my father was saved, my mother really uh, was, uh, she was mad about what had taken place. And very unlike my mother, uh, she, uh, she was uh, having none of what was going to happen. And it's only in later times that my mother told me that my gra- grandmother, her mother, had to sort of calm her down and uh, for the sake of the marriage to really uh, just accept what had taken place. Uh, and that's how far it had got. And the devil will highlight that. Your, your husband, your wife, they're not going to be too pleased. Your son, your daughter, your workmates, they're not going to be too pleased. They're going to mock you. There's going to be tension in the family, tension in your friendships. And often we see that that is what actually happens. And the devil has reason for that to take place. But often what the Lord does is to save one in the family. And that's the means of reaching others in the family, of bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone's got to be saved first. Someone has got to, God's got to break into the family some with someone. And dear friend, isn't that someone going to be you? Don't you have a concern about your family? Don't you have a concern about your wife, your husband, your loved ones? That they are going down to a lost and Christless eternity. And God can save you and you can be the means of winning them to the Lord Jesus Christ. How often that has been. That was the case in my own family. Eventually my mother came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as her saviour, and the family was saved and united in Christ. But dear friend, the the Bible uh, indicates, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can be saved tonight and join in prayer for your family. You can be saved tonight and be the means of being a witness in your family for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be the means of winning your loved ones. Yes, for a time it may be that there is a cold shoulder. Maybe it will be risky. But dear friend, the Lord wants to break into your family and he wants to break in with you. Don't let the devil make the compromise. Don't let the devil come and try to divert you because of family relationship. In Luke chapter 14, And verse 26, where the Lord, he put it in a very stark way about how serious this is. He said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, he doesn't mean that we actually hate our mother or father or wife. It means in comparison to our love to him. It means that 
uh, for the sake of our salvation that we come and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we see that Moses once again rejects the compromise of Pharaoh. And once again Moses is driven out of the presence of Pharaoh. And he went out to bring the uh, plague of locusts upon the land of Egypt. But then there is one more compromise that I want you to see. And this is the compromise of propitiation. And I will show you why I have called it that in a, in a few moments. But this is even more subtle. Um, now the devil says, okay, or the, well, Pharaoh, as the representative of the devil, says, okay, you can go out of the land, you can go with your wives and your children. But he says, don't bring your flocks and your herds. Look at Exodus 10, verse 24. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Now the flocks and herds were the business of the children of Israel. Apart from being slaves, they were shepherds, and they were looking after flocks, and they had been placed in the land of Goshen, which was a place that was good for keeping of cattle. And again, the devil is in the business of um, using every while that he can. And there are many people who, for the sake of business, have compromised themselves with the gospel. I have spoken and have known of many. I know of a businessman down the country, and he uh, felt that he had to open on Sunday. And because of that, he never came to know the Lord as a Savior right to this day. Others have felt, well, my business relationships have got to meet people in the pubs. I've got to meet people and wine and dine them. And if my business is going to prosper, then I need to do that. I remember a man um, that was in the car trade. And because he was in the car trade, and I suppose there were some shady deals that had to be done, but he, he was very open that for the sake of his business... He wasn't going to come. And he was involved in the church. He was a, a good supporter of the church in many ways. Gave of his money to the church. But he wasn't saved. And the reason why he wasn't saved was because of his business. Well, again, I say, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Dear friend, your business is not going to get you into heaven. But it's even more subtle than that because the children of Israel brought their flocks and their herds here. And the reason why they were bringing their flocks or herds, or they wanted to bring their flocks and herds out into the wilderness, is that they were going to sacrifice there. There was the blood atonement. And we're saying that this is the compromise of propitiation. And we think of how the blood was to be shed. They were to go out. Uh, three days' journey into the wilderness. There was going to be the sacrifice, and they were going to use these animals as the sacrifice there, and there was going to be the blood of the Lamb that was shed. And we read in the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. Why does the devil hate the blood? He hates the blood because it's through the blood of the Lamb that we are saved. Christ says, Whom he hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, 
to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Romans 5 and 9, much more than be now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from, la- uh, from wrath through him. Let me ask you the question this evening. Are you washed in the precious blood of the Lamb? Are you cleansed in that fountain? Are you cle- have you salvation? Is there that inward cleansing that is wrought by the blood of the Lamb? The Bible says that without shedding of blood there is no remission. And you're in your sin tonight. You're on the road to a lost eternity. And the only way of cleansing is through that precious blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It says in 1 John 1 and 7 about cleansing by the blood. In Revelation 1 and 5, it speaks of washing by the blood. Are you washed in the soul-cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? You know, that's what happened to the Israelites eventually. We read that the death angel passed through the land of Israel or the land of Egypt and everyone who had the blood upon the doorposts and on the lintels of their houses, the death angel passed over and they had life and they had freedom. They were freed from bondage because of the blood of the lamb. Are you under the blood tonight? There is true freedom. There is peace. There is forgiveness, there is mercy with the Lord through the precious blood of the Lamb. And Moses didn't take the compromises. He went all the way with God. And we think of how the death angel came and Pharaoh sent the children of Israel out of the land with no stipulation. Indeed, the Egyptians came and gave them all their treasures in order that they might go from the land. And my God is able to give you blessings pressed down, shaken together, full and running over. Are you washed in the precious blood of the Lamb? Are you saved today? If you're not, then come to the cross. Don't be taking the devil's compromises. Don't be going halfway. But come to the Savior and be saved altogether and holy by his precious blood. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for thy word today, and we thank thee that there is a way. No God, we thank thee that men and women can come by the blood of the Lamb, by the sacrifice, to God's place, in God's way, under God's conditions. We thank thee that there's salvation through the precious blood. Bring men and women to thyself and save by thy grace for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we sing uh, the hymn 246 in closing, please? The hymn 246. Time is earnest passing by. Death is earnest drawing nigh. Sinner, wilt thou trifling be? Time and death appeal to thee. We'll sing the first two verses of the hymn again and we'll stand as we sing.
loving God and our gracious Father, we pray that men and women will be serious about their souls and that thou wouldst bring them to thyself. Part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety. Watch over us. And we pray that the God of uh, mercy and the God of pardon might be our portion both now and in the incoming days. For Jesus' sake, amen.